I don't know if you've looked at your calendar over the last 15 days or so, but it's March, people, which means we get this month's annual FIFA International break, which means we also get to see the United States men's national team take the field for the first time since the 2022 World Cup. Well, okay, that's not technically true. We had a January camp with two games in it earlier this year, but that was a mostly domestic-based roster. This is the first chance for the full group to get back together, minus a few injuries here and there since Qatar. My name is Joe Lowry, and on this episode of The Backfield Show, we're diving into five takeaways from the U.S. MNT's roster release that happened yesterday ahead of the U.S.'s games against Granada on Friday, March 24th, and El Salvador on Monday, March 27th. We're going to get you in and out and through these five takeaways in 10 minutes or less, because here on the Backfield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk soccer. Okay, the first takeaway here based on the USMNT's roster and these opponents is that it's not time to overreact. This is the least fun one, and we'll move through it relatively quickly. Granada and El Salvador are both inferior teams to the U.S. men's national team to advance in the CONCACAF Nations League. To get to the Final Four that will be taking place this summer, the U.S. essentially just has to take care of business against El Salvador. It should be doable. This team has the quality to get the job done. The opponents aren't at the level where we're really going to learn a ton about these players and what we see on the field. There's exciting things. There's exciting players. It's a fun roster. I'll get to some of that stuff shortly. But just as a sort of precursor and as this first takeaway, it's a good reminder we shouldn't overreact to what we see if Daryl DK comes out and scores six goals against Granada. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden he is going to be the answer to the USMNT's number nine problem. It doesn't mean he's not, but it doesn't mean that he is for sure. So let's take all of this stuff with a grain of salt, all of the games, all of the performances. Let's dial back our ability to read into these games just a little bit. And I think we'll all have more fun in this March CONCACAF Nations League set of games. With that one out of the way, the second biggest takeaway from the USMNT's roster and this window in general is that US soccer and the USMNT staff have been in contact with striker Faloran Balogun, who's eligible to play for England and Nigeria. He's tearing up Ligue 1 right now in France. He's been one of the best number nines in that league. He's been one of the best number nines in Europe so far this season. He's a young player, just 21 years old. He's got 16 goals this season on loan from Arsenal with Reims in Liga. Anthony Hudson, in a press conference with media members earlier this week, said, quote, All I'll say is that there is an open dialogue with him and his team. And that dialogue is continuing. You marry that quote from Anthony Hudson, interim manager, with the fact that Balogun was not called up to England's roster for this March international window for their Nations League games. And you've got a little bit of a stew cooking. Balogun's out here posting stuff on Instagram, not about the U.S., but sort of cryptic things that make you think. Social media reporting is a a little bit silly at times, but it can also be informative. We don't know where Balogun stands right now. We don't know what his choice will be. But it certainly seems, based off of what Hudson has said and what Balogun himself is saying, that the USMNT is still very much in the picture for the talented young number nine. Up next, our third takeaway 
is that Gio Reyna is back with this team. It's been a completely chaotic, and as Christian Pulisic said in some ways, childish saga with Gio Reyna and his parents and all of these things. We talked about that in greater detail back on Tuesday's episode this week. You can scroll back in the back heel show feed to go and listen to that one. You'll get caught up to date on all the drama and the investigation into Greg Berhalter and other events at the World Cup in just 10 minutes or less over there. But Gio Reyna is back in. This is big. This is the first time, like a lot of these other players that are in the squad, that we've seen Reyna back post-World Cup. How is he going to react? How is he going to play? What is his role going to be? How many minutes does he play? It seems like at Dortmund, his minutes are still being managed by Edin Terzic. What do all of those things look like? I don't know the answers to those questions, but we do know how good of a player Gio Reyna is. And for me, off of the back of all of this Reyna Baralter saga that's gone on for months now, the biggest question looking forward is, what is Gio Reyna's involvement in the U.S. men's national team? Can he be the game-changing elite talent that he clearly has the potential to be? And can he do it within the framework of the national team? We don't know what that's going to look like, but getting more opportunities to see him, getting him more opportunities to hopefully bond and maybe restore some of his reputation inside USMNT circles, inside the locker room, feels like a good opportunity to me. So I'm glad Reyna's in this roster. I'm excited to see him play. He should dominate stretches of these games Hopefully, it's a step in the right direction for him and this U.S. team. Our fourth takeaway from this USMNT roster is how strong the winger core is. At the World Cup, the U.S. took Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna, Brendan Aronson, and Jordan Morris out wide. In this particular camp, you've got Pulisic, Aronson, Weah, Reyna, along with Taylor Booth, who's playing for Utrecht in the Netherlands, and Alejandro Zendejas, who's played for Club America. Zendayas is a dual national that decided earlier this week to play for the U.S. from here on out. That's a big win for U.S. soccer. Zendayas is a talented player. We've talked about him before. He's a guy who can contribute to this team, not as an automatic starter, but as someone who's certainly good enough to push the other guys ahead of him in the depth chart. The same, I think, goes for Taylor Booth, who's had a really good season with Utrecht in the Eredivisie. He's become a fan favorite. With Booth and Zendayas supporting Weah, Pulisic, Reyna, Aronson, pushing those guys, maybe climbing over some of them, In the depth chart, we won't know that for sure based off of these particular games. It's likely that whoever plays in the attack is going to have some success here. But these players can push. These players can fight for minutes, Booth and Zendayas in particular. And they provide better depth than the U.S. has had out wide to a position group that hasn't been this strong for the U.S. men's national team in maybe the entire history of the program. Finally, the last takeaway here is at the number six position. Tyler Adams is not in this camp, had a bit of a hamstring injury, didn't make sense to bring him in and really test him here after suffering that injury with Leeds United. We're going to see somebody different at the number six spot. Adams isn't here. Count Acosta wasn't brought up. Miles Robinson is the only MLS-based player on this roster for the U.S. men's national team. Who do we see at the number six? Is it going to be Johnny Cardoso? Is it going to be Alan Senora? Senora would be my pick. Maybe Luca De La Torre. He could do that job as well. None of those players are going to supplant Tyler Adams, but as far as which spots are available for the U.S. looking ahead to 2026, the backup number six role to Tyler Adams is very much one of those spots. No one has really staked their claim firmly, in my view. Acosta is the legacy pick, but as a new manager comes in, hopefully at some point in the summer for the U.S., they're going to have the choice to look through the pool and find who they want to be Adams' deputy. Anthony Hudson will have the chance without Adams in this team for this window to give some players some minutes and to audition a couple of these guys and get some film on them. So from getting data on some number sixes to the strong winger core to Gio Reyna coming back in to Florin Balogun still being in play, there are a lot of storylines for this March window. At the same time, to point us all the way back to the first takeaway, 
Let's not overreact. We don't need to overreact or draw too much from any of these things. It's good to see this group get together, though, and continue to bond, hopefully repair any bonds that have been broken, and continue to march towards meaningful games this summer and beyond. That's it for this episode of The Backheeled Show. If you enjoyed, you can scroll up or down in the Backheeled Show feed for more, or you can go to backheeled.com, and if you're feeling generous, you can subscribe to support our independent soccer coverage. For now, we'll talk to you again soon. 